right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, and I'm along with my co-host, Jordan Bianchi. We are writers for The Athletic, cover motorsports, and here we are to talk about the finale of the first round of the NASCAR playoffs at Bristol Motor Speedway, the night race. Um, four drivers have been sent home. Kevin Harvick is your winner. But, uh, Jordan, perhaps the uh, most notable story of the night, or, you know, to me, the most interesting one, was Kyle Busch's almost run at it. And then, uh, of course, he hates to lose, so his saltiness afterwards. That that was what uh, caught my attention so far. Yeah, I agree. I was watching those last laps. Great battle with Ian Harvick. And I was wondering what line... What was the line that Kyle Busch had, and what would he cross it? And there was a couple instances there. The first is when he got up on Joey Logano as they're going through traffic, and they're lapping Joey, and he got hung up. I was waiting for Kyle to just throw the bumper on the 22 and move him out of the way, and it didn't happen. And and then on the last lap, it felt like Kyle maybe could have really kind of done a you know a you know home run you know go for bro kind of move to to take Harvick out at least try to, and he didn't do it. And you kind of wonder if there's any regrets about that. Uh, it looked like this was going to be Kyle's night. I mean, he starts in the back. He quickly moves up the, to the front and, and leads, you know, what, 159 laps tonight. Very fast car. But just Kevin Harvick was a little bit better when it mattered the most. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, this seemed to have Kyle Busch written all over it tonight. I mean, the way that, um, like you said, he you know starts in the back and he's, he's up there challenging for the stage win. Um, look like he potentially had the fastest car and then he has the lead late and you're like, Oh, well here, he's finally going to get his first win of the year. And instead a uh, Harvick gets it again. Now, a, a lot of the, you know, you could probably say that Joey Logano had something to do with it. Uh, certainly Kyle wasn't happy about that afterwards. Kyle called him a dickhead on the, uh, <laughs> performance racing network, uh, broadcast. And then in our zoom session with the media, he said, that's why, uh, Joey Logano doesn't have any friends. Um, I asked him about the what you brought up about uh, could he have done something different with Harvick there at, at the end? Could he have, you know, maybe, uh, you know, done some sort of move that was like, you know, kind of wrecked him or just, you know, bo- booted him out of the way somehow? I, I couldn't tell how close he was. I didn't get to see a replay. I was just watching it live. Um, Kyle said, look, you know what? That never crossed my mind. You know, you want to win races the right way. And I didn't even really consider that. Now, he said if there had not been a lap car in the way, uh, at the end there, maybe he could have gotten inside and, and muscled up there and, and had like, you know, a door banging finish or something. Uh, but he referred to some, uh, a black car. He didn't even know, didn't even know who it was. Um, and you know, it goes along with his saltiness toward, uh, the lap cars all night. <laughs> he said that, uh, there was some, uh, quote dipshit kids out there that don't know what they're doing. And, uh, he said nothing like a Gase and a Smithley. Um, now, right before we started recording this, Garrett Smithley responded to my tweet. I had tweeted this, uh, quote and Smithley said, even when I don't do anything, Kyle Bush blames me, went out of my way to give him room tonight. Think he might've thought I was in a different car shrug emoji. So what's your take on what Kyle was saying there? Um, he's just frustrated. I mean, it's, it's been one of the, it's been a bad year. I mean, by his standards anyway, he, he hasn't won a race this He's never not won a race in his entire career. He's very vocal about how important this streak is to him. The, the, the car isn't performing to where he wants it. They haven't had speed. 
this is his racetrack, and he and he said it afterwards. And I thought this was it going in. It's like if Kyle's going to win a race this year, I really feel like he can win anywhere. But this Bristol really was going to be the one track where I felt like he could just kind of raise that team up to the level he needs it to be at. And he just fell short, and it's understandable why he's frustrated. Lap cars were a problem tonight. Um, ask William Byron about that. Um, there was a lot of guys who had a lot of issues with lap cars tonight. And it, that's just short track racing at Bristol, and it, it's frustrating. And Kyle, as soon as he crossed the finish line, swore really loud. And, you know, he's just it's just been a bad year. This looked like it was going to be the night, and then it fell short. And it's understandable why he's frustrated. And I think it's exasperated by the fact that he doesn't have any playoff bonus points. He's in a really vulnerable spot. This is unlike any other year that Kyle's been in the playoffs since NASCAR went to this format. He's in a really weird spot going into the next round where he has no margin of error. I mean, he can't afford a bad race. He almost has to have a perfect race or hope that the guys he's racing against to transfer um, have, you know, have all sorts of issues. It's just you add everything together. You can understand why he's frustrated. Well, yeah, and he only has, um, I think, three playoff points or something going into the next round, and Harvick has 67. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and, Har- and Kyle Busch was asked about the next round tonight after the race as well, and he said, well, we're going to be eliminated the next round, so I don't care. <laughs> um, I tend to agree with him. I mean, I, I don't think he's in a great position. Now, he he could turn it on. I mean, there's there's some guys, and we'll talk about it later, uh, who we think will will get the boot in the next round. You know, I, I think there's guys who are potentially more likely to him than him to get eliminated, but he's certainly not in great shape, as you mentioned. Um, and you know, I, I, gosh, I mean, it's it's there's seven races to go. Kyle Busch hasn't won a race. It's hard to believe, but this was probably his best shot. So I would understand why, um, you know, the frustration is there tonight. Certainly, uh, I, I, you know, at, at this point, do you see him winning a race at all? I, I don't. We talked about this, I don't know how many weeks ago. I said that Kyle would win at least once before the year was out. You said no, and I laughed at you. And I was like, there's no way. Kyle Busch is going to win a race. I still feel like he's going to win a race. He's too good. That team is too good. But I don't think you were that far off as you want, as I once thought you were. And I'm starting to kind of come around to your side a little bit. Well, I mean, this, you know, if, if he was going to win somewhere, Bristol probably would have been the place. Um, I don't know that they have the speed at, you know, at a mile and a half. So you're talking about, um, you know, a Vegas, a Kansas, a Texas necessarily. Um, Phoenix. I don't, I don't necessarily see him going out and winning that one. Um, Roval Talladega. Yes. yes. Oh, you think he can win those? He's, he's, well, he's an excellent road course racer. I mean, absolutely. He can win at the Roval. Um, he's a very good super speedway racer. Uh, the wins aren't there, but he, he puts himself in position. He was in contention at oh, Daytona. Hey, he's not going to go win Talladega. Kyle Busch, he's not going to go what? win Talladega. He was, in cont- he was leading a lot. Of, he led a lot of laps at Daytona, and he only got taken out by a you know a, a very ag- overly aggressive move by Tyler Reddick. He can absolutely win at Talladega. And don't forget, Martinsville's still to come, and Kyle is damn good at Martinsville. Well, I think that's probably his only shot there at the end. I mean, it's, it's probably Martinsville, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I'm just not I'm not too optimistic about it. Um, but I guess we'll see. I just uh, man, what a weird what a weird weird year for him. I just it's it's tough to wrap your head around. Um, you know, do you know probably, when the last time a defending series champion who ran the entire season did not win a race? 
Do you know the answer? Because you're going to really leave me. I do know the answer. Oh, so cool. Obviously, it was obviously Alan Quickie, you know, didn't wasn't able to defend his title the full season. We know why. But Dale Earnhardt, 1980. Wow, that's the last time. 1981, excuse me. Yep. Earnhardt won the championship in 1980 and then in 81 did not win a race. Wow. I was uh, one year old that year. (laughs) Hey, happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. Well, I'm, uh, you know, I've just reached my 40s now, so I expect you to (laughs) respect your elders and understand (laughs) that I have much more um, wisdom and knowledge now that I'm in my 40s and you're still in your 30s. So um, please, uh, please respect my old age. That's all I, that's all I'm asking. Absolutely. Grandfather Jeff. Oh, okay. Well, um, let's, uh, let's talk about Kevin Harvick. Speaking of old people. Um, I mean, here's a guy who is having one of the all time great seasons, really. I mean, just remarkable. And, and people have started to really pick up on it, uh, more and more lately, but here we are through 29 races and his average finish this season is 6.2. Now, normally you'd look at a guy like Denny Hamlin, whose average finish is 9.6 and say, you know, with six wins and, and say, wow, Denny Hamlin, uh, what a year, class of the field. But Harvick uh, now has three more wins than him, has a way better average finish. Um, just uh, It's just astounding. I mean, he's, he's led uh, almost 600 more laps than Denny Hamlin. Um, you know, we, we went into this playoff saying that they were co-favorites. And then Harvick wins two out of the first three races mm-hmm. in this playoffs. Meanwhile, Hamlin goes 13th, 12th, 21st to open the playoffs. Um, yeah. What do you make of this, of where things stand now? That's a good question. And I asked both Kevin Harvick this and Rodney Childers this, and they they kind of, I don't want to say they dismissed the idea that Hamlin isn't there, but they certainly aren't paying attention to it. Harvick certainly is just focused. Harvick's mantra is just we pay attention to ourselves. It's one race at a time. We don't care about what everyone else is doing. Rodney, I thought, brought up a good point, and, I, and I'll speak this to Hamlin, and I agree with this. Is Hamlin was really good at Darlington. He was in contention, was running in top five, had an issue late, had a bad finish. Richmond was weird. He won the first stage at Richmond, then had a speeding penalty, fell back, never really was a factor. Tonight, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say about tonight because he they had a pre-race penalty and they had to start at the back, and then Martrex Jr. got into him and, and wrecked his car. So it's, it's hard to say, but... Harvick is winning races and he's finding ways to win races. Even when he doesn't have the fastest car, that says something to me. Um, what it also says is that at one point I, there was, I was really firmly believed that both Harvick and Hamlin were pretty much locks to get to Phoenix. Harvick is a lock to get to Phoenix. I mean, you look at his bonus point total and everything. There's just things would have to go catastrophically wrong. You know, I'm not starting to feel that same way about Hamlin anymore, just because He's not continuing to rack up playoff points at the same rate. Other guys are starting to come around a little bit. You have one bad race coming along here. It's It can go wrong in a hurry, and it does seem like Hamlin's in a little bit of a funk, not necessarily his own doing, but just where things are kind of working against him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you see the value, though, of of the playoff points that he already does, does have, and at this point, like because of the bad finishes that he had, right? Like, I mean, had he not had all those playoff points, had he gone in with, with nothing, um, you know, he could have quickly been out. He still has 48 playoff points, I believe to carry on to the next round. While that's not 67, like Harvick has, um, that's still 
quite a decent amount when you consider that some of the people left, um, you know, several have, have less than five playoff points. So that's, that's a fairly comfortable cushion. Um, I, I'm, I'm not too worried about him making it there, but as far as winning it, you know, it, it certainly seems at this point, it's, it's hard to say that, you know, they're, I wouldn't say they're neck and neck anymore. Uh, Harvick seems to be the favorite just because the way they're, they're rolling out every week. And even on the podcast last week, um, when we talked about Keselowski winning on a 750 package, um, Harvick comes back and answers that right away. He wins on a 750 package tonight. Um, so I don't know. I think I think Harvick's pretty good shape. Hamlin's a good shape. Um, still not totally clear on who the other two are going to be. I mean, Keselowski had speed for a little while tonight and mm-hmm. then dropped off. I saw people saying, you know, it's weird how the narrative changes, right? Because people were like, oh, if Kyle Busch comes out and wins Bristol, you know, he's going to be that fourth <laughs> guy. Uh, and now people are like, oh, yeah, I agree with him that he'll be out next round. Um, it's kind of weird. I mean, Truex, Logano, I, I'm not sure, Elliot. Who really fills that next spot? That They're last all spot. Together. But, it's just yeah. it's gonna be a matter of who who hits on a setup and who can win a race. And who if they have a problem can rebound in the next race and recover. I, I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. I think the way the track setup is obviously favors I think the Penske cars, if you look at Martinsville in that, in that semifinal round, but it really is going to be just avoiding mistakes and that is to me the one thing that Kevin Harvick and team do is they don't put themselves in a position where they have to scramble and they don't have to overcome being a lap down or you know having just assorted issues they're not failing pre-race tech they're not having all these things that in the past they were having issues on pit road they were having issues getting through tech that's not the case they just go and they like Kevin said they keep their head down they do their thing and they just win Jordan, let's uh, talk about some more mistakes coming up uh, as far as eliminations. But first, let's take a word from one of our sponsors. So, Jordan, um, you know, you, you mentioned mistakes. And uh, mistakes are something that we've documented you cannot afford in round one. Um, and that's that's exactly what happened with, uh, you know, Matt Benedetto's team multiple times. Now, now, I'm not saying if he hadn't, didn't make any mistakes uh, at Bristol that he would have won. I mean, see, you know, Harvick probably would have won either, no matter what. Even if the Benedetto had a perfect night, I don't see him, you know, doing any any better than second. Um, Ryan Blaney's team, uh, you know, just totally, uh, just one of the biggest disappointments. I mean, if not for Kyle Busch being a disappointment this year, you would really have to say Blaney, uh, just speci- especially based on the speed they had early in the year was a huge disappointment. Cole Custer, you know, I don't think we really had too much faith that he was going to advance. So his elimination isn't too surprising. And then William Byron, uh, you know, it's tough because when that incident happened, he was running 10th and he was ahead of Boyer as far as the cutoff. But Boyer, Mm -hmm. now I don't know if this is because Boyer calmed down and the pressure was off him, you know, because he seems to be different when the pressure's off, right? Yeah. Uh, Boyer ends up finishing sixth, though, tonight. So you're talking about, you know, uh, I think I think uh, it was like 30 something points that Byron ends up missing it by. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you add that back in Byron, so Byron finishes 38th. I mean, you're talking he he would have had to have a top five to beat Boyer 
So I don't know that that would have happened. I think there's a chance Boyer would have made it in anyway, and Byron's wreck may not have been. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm getting at here? No, I know what you're saying, and I think there's a couple different factors at play. One, to, to your point about uh, Boyer, after Byron wrecked, they came on the radio and told him, hey, listen, you're in a really good spot right here. You've got a big cushion over Cole Custer. You know, don't do anything stupid. Basically, they, they literally told him, race for points. We're not, you know, we're just trying to hold serve here. So I think that certainly calmed Boyer down because their radio was not nearly as combustible from there on out. And Boyer just kind of settled in and did his thing. Secondly, it depends on how the pit stops shake out. There was a lot of guys tonight. Jimmy Johnson, Kurt Busch, Chase Elliott, all guys who are running really well in the top 10, and they made green flag pit stops, and then the caution came out and it trapped them a lap down, and their days were shot. Right. And so if Byron is among those guys who pits and he gets trapped you know, multiple laps down, then yeah, then Boyer's you know, moving on. But if Byron is one of those few guys that stayed out and gets that track position, you know, who knows? I mean, That's look true. at the guys who finished. Look at the guys who finished in the top ten. I mean, it's just it, there's a lot of variables at play. I just, I mean, he had a fast car. He was doing a really good job of getting stage points. So, you know, it's one of those things. You just you don't know. Well, and that caution was a pivotal moment because Harvick was about to come to pit road, and mm-hmm. he would have been um, in the exact same boat. So when Dylan ends up wrecking with who was it, James Davison? Yeah, I don't, there were so many backmarker wrecks tonight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was right next to Harvick, and then uh, Fidua tells Harvick immediately, stay out, stay out, stay out. Um, you know, ultimately, there was only six cars on the lead lap because of that, uh, because of the way that, you know, people like Chase Elliott got trapped a lap down. Um, so, yeah, it's you're right, you're right. Things could have shaken out differently. Um, but I guess my point is that Boyer did have a strong night, Um you know, again, I mean, he deserves credit for that for sure. Yeah. Um, now, you know, I let's talk about the the positives here. I mean, Austin Dillon easily ends up making it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you had told me honestly, hey, Austin Dillon's going to go finish twelfth at at Bristol in the elimination race, but yet he'll make the next round, um, I would have been like, how how that's not even possible. But Austin Dillon um, opens the playoffs by going second, fourth, twelfth. Mm-hmm. Um, three top 15 finishes and three top 12 finishes when 12 drivers move on. Really, that is a formula right there. Um, he easily, easily makes it because uh, of the stage points that he had, of the top 12 finishes he had. He did what he needed to do. He had a clean round. He moves on. Um, I had said he would be eliminated. I think I also said um, to start the playoffs that Alex Bowman would be eliminated in round one. He also makes it easily. You know, he really hadn't been running that well coming into the playoffs. Uh, he finishes, I think, 16th at Bristol. But he goes 6th, 9th, 16th, and that's good enough to make it. Um, he had a tire issue tonight, too, so it's a little bit of a... You know, well, he, he thought he, he did. well before that. He thought yeah, he well, did, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he made an unscheduled pit stop because right. of that. Yeah. So, um, anyway, yeah, it's just kind of interesting. Um, but, you know, now we're... You know, we're looking at uh, the next round here, and it's going to be um, Las Vegas uh, uh, night race, Sunday night race. And then uh, Talladega is second, right? Yep. And then the Roval is the elimination race for round two. Um, so I guess in that aspect, who do you think, you know, who do you see moving on um, from this round, not to put you on the spot or anything, but... Uh, 
you know, it's it's going to be tough. I think now, you know, it's it's you, top twelve finishes are fine before, but when you you're talking about getting to the top eight, I really think it mm-hmm. actually comes down to top fives more than anything. Yeah, and I think it comes down to who can not put themselves in a points hole at Talladega and the Roval. It's just if you have one bad race, you might be able to get through. If you have two bad races, that's going to be really tough. I'm looking at it. Um, I've got Boyer out. I've got Kurt Busch out. I've got Eric Almarola out, and those are the bottom three guys right now. And then I'm going back and forth on Austin Dillon and Alex Bowman. I, I like what Austin Dillon's doing. I like where that team is at. By the way, if you want to know more about that team, I wrote a thing about Austin Dillon and Richard Tillis Racing this week on The Athletic. I recommend reading that. Um, I think you'll enjoy it. I'm going to give the edge to Bowman in this one because he's really good at the Roval. Finished second there last year. Um, so that's the that's the deciding factor for me is that Bowman's just a little bit better at the the, the uh, at Charlotte and I think that's gonna that's certainly gonna be a factor uh, in this playoffs. Yeah, this is so tough because it's not really you know Roval and Talladega this round. Um, you know, you can say it's wild card, but there's also people who are who are really good there. Like like say like an Eric Almarola, for instance. I mean, the guy is a great plate racer. Oh, absolutely. Um, as is Austin so Dillon. Is Boyer. So is Boyer. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. So, by the way, I don't know why. Can I just? I don't I mean, address, yeah. Why? I don't get why Kyle was so adamant that he was going to be eliminated in the second round. I'm looking at this, and it's like he's not in that bad. As, he's not in a horrible spot at all. Uh, I mean, here's the thing, though. What what kind of speed do you think they're going to show at Vegas? Is he going to go out and run top five? He, if he finishes top ten, he's okay. That's all he's got to do. He'll get some stage points. He'll be fine. Okay, so he finishes top ten there. Yep. He probably thinks he's going to wreck at Talladega. Yep. And he's a, he's a darn good road course racer, and he'll be competitive at, at the Roval as long as he keeps his car clean. And obviously, I know it's a lot easier said than done, but I, I just I don't think it's as dire as he thinks it is. I just, you know, it, it, to me, to me, a lot of success now is in the playoffs is, is mind over matter. It's like, if you think you're going to do bad, it, it seems to kind of things are going to happen and go against you, and you've got to be able to overcome that. And if you think you're going to do well and anything that comes against you and we can beat it, that we've seen it with Austin Dillon. We've seen it with other guys. It's just attitude is everything. Here's the thing, though, and I just pulled up Kyle Busch's Talladega stats. Um, so let me mm-hmm. just run. I'm just going to go starting with the most recent sure. race and go backwards, okay? 32nd, 19th, 10th, mm-hmm. 26th, 13th, 27th, mm-hmm. 3rd, 30th. So... Um, he has one good finish since 2016 at Talladega. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a, he has a lot of DNFs there. Um, he just has a lot of bad finishes there. I, I wouldn't have much faith if I was Kyle Busch going into that either, that I'm going to survive that. And so, you know, if, if I'm Kyle Busch, I'm thinking 2020, things aren't going to go my way. Why would Talladega mm-hmm. go my way? You know? Yeah, and, and to me, it's attitude. It's like, you know what? Things haven't gone my way in the past. We're going to figure it out. We're going to make this better because I look at Talladega differently than a lot of other people. I look at it as guys who do, we look, you know, people like to say it's a lot of luck. It's not luck. I mean, yes, there's luck involved. I shouldn't say there's no luck. There's luck involved. But the guys who consistently do well there, they do well there for a reason because they embrace it. They understand what it's about and they go there and they do it, whether it's Logano, Keselowski, Blaney, uh, Hamlin. Those guys get this, and they they're willing to say, you know what, this isn't. I'm not just going to throw up my arms and say, you know what, hopefully the luck is with me today. It's no, I'm going to put myself in a position 
where I can have success and I, things can kind of break my way, I can maybe win this race. I think that's the mindset that you need to do well there. Well, let me give you my picks here. Um, I think Austin Dillon, uh, you know, he's had a great run. I've underrated him. Uh, congrats on him making it this far. But I think his run will end um, unless he has a great Talladega. You know, I, I don't see them going out and having, you know, an amazing Vegas. I think it'll be solid. But then the Roval, you know, uh, here's the reason. Everybody else just got experience running at the Daytona Roval. And he was sitting out while Kaz Grala was in his car. Um, yeah, they had a great car. But I think that that potentially hurt him. Um, so I just think Dylan will be one of the ones who's out. Um, I think Clint Boyer, I, I, you know, it's good for him that he even made it this far because without William Byron's wreck, as we talked about, he might not, he might be out already. Kurt Busch, um, I don't really have a ton of faith in that team at this point for whatever reason. It just doesn't seem like they're running really well. And then for me, I guess it kind of comes down to um, Bowman or Almarola. Um, that's tough. That's really tough. Just because, um, man, you know, Almarola, like I said, he runs so well at Talladega. Uh, it's tough for me. I, I already said Bowman would be out last round. Oh, I don't know what to do here. Um, I guess I'll, <laughs> I guess I'll say Bowman out again. I don't, I don't really have a great reason why, but so for me, it's Dylan Bowman, um, Kurt Boyer are the ones that go out and Kyle survives. Both of us have Kyle surviving. So there you go. Yeah, see, there you go. See, there's no reason to be depressed, Kyle. Listen to this podcast. We'll make you feel better, and you'll be okay. Yeah. All right, uh, Jordan, let's hear from another one of our sponsors really quick. Hi, I'm Andy Staples with The Athletic. No matter what fitness fads you follow, one thing is true across every one of them. You have to get hydrated and stay hydrated. The best way to do that is liquid IV. It is the most efficient way to get and stay hydrated because each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Why is that? It's the optimal ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium delivered into your bloodstream. I live in a place where it is scorching hot, very humid, lose a lot of water when I go out running. I drink a liquid IV beforehand. I drink a liquid IV when I get back. It feels great. Partial to the acai berry before, lemon lime on the way back. I'm not sure exactly why it works out that way, but those are my favorites. Also, if you celebrated a little bit, it doesn't have to be a workout thing. Maybe I had a neighbor who was testing out smoked old fashions, and maybe I had a few. Maybe I had one too many. When I got home, I drank a liquid IV right before bed. I felt fantastic in the morning. So how do you get yourself some liquid IV? You go to liquidiv.com and you use the code ATHLETIC at checkout and you get 25% off anything you order. That is 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. So get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. So, Jordan, let's go back to Bristol for just a second here before we move on. Just because, um, you know, was it a good race? I I'm not sure. You know, obviously the the last uh the battle there at the end, um you know, the last 70 laps were or whatever, how many was? I mean, between um Harvick and Kyle Busch, you have two future Hall of Famers, two of the best to ever do it, um especially in this generation going at it head to head, straight up, uh great battle. But I feel like in some ways that this race fell short of what we expected of all the craziness of Bristol night race, playoff elimination race. This is going to be nuts. Holy cow. Bristol in the playoffs. 
Bristol's an elimination. I just everything that went into it. Um, I don't know. Am I am I off base here? No, I mean it wasn't the complete chaos craziness that we expected, and I think there's a couple reasons for that. One, the two guys who really absolutely needed to win, you know, Matt D and Ryan Blaney, they just never really were serious contenders. It was pretty obvious that they were going to need a miracle of some sort to to be in contention. So it felt like coming, you know, right from the get go, like two guys were pretty much out of the playoffs. And then when Byron had his incident, I mean, it pretty kind of solidly made the playoff field what it was and nothing was going to, something dramatic was going to have to change. So no, we didn't have the craziness. We didn't have the bumping and the banging and the guys, you know, pissed off that kind of thing. But I still thought it was a good race. We saw different guys leading. We, we didn't, you know, Kevin Harvick led a lot of laps, but Chase Elliott was in, in contention. Kyle Busch was in contention. And those last 50, 60 laps were, were really good racing. I, I don't need, you know, a bunch of crashes to walk away from Bristol saying, oh, that, that was a, that was a great race. I, I liked what I saw tonight. Was it as good as the May race? No. This is still a darn good Bristol race. I was really entertained. Really? Were you? Yeah. Yeah, I was really entertained. I was, I didn't want to watch to flip over and watch football at any point. Well, it's, you don't have a choice. We have to watch the race. It's our job. I know. I but, was just trying to. You know. <laughs> Listen, here's the thing. Thanks. Appreciate yeah. That. <laughs> um, you know, I I think it, it's it's kind of shades of Richmond, and to me, no. Yes, I mean, except for All the right. battle well, at the ahead. end. I mean, there was not enough. Look, here's the thing: these short track races are billed as. Oh, there's going to be people throwing helmets. There's going to be people mad. There's going to be wrecks and excitement. And oh, what's going to happen? Mad. Well, uh, who aside from Kyle Busch? <laughs> uh, Ryan Blaney was mad. Not really. Yes, he was. And there's people who was mad he at mad at? Cars all. Uh, he was mad at not making the next round. No, nah, he didn't seem that mad. I mean, he said he was upset. He even, but... even said in his pre-zoom he was upset. Well, it's mad and upset are the same thing. I mean, I don't you know. Now we're, now we're picking hairs. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, but how many often do those moments happen where Tony Stewart, you know, throws a helmet at somebody? You just, you don't get that all the time. That's all, you know. It I just it's happened just, it, in May with Chase Elliott. But again, and... so we're supposed to have to expect that this happens every single short track race? Come it's on, Bristol, baby. Ridiculous. Oh, it's Bristol. You have oh. to have that kind of racing there. That's what Bristol is built time. on. That's why they have the stands that big there, not because it races like a mile and a half and there's, oh, good, clean, clean racing. Love to see all the passing out there tonight. Wow. You know what I mean? Uh, that's just not, uh, it's not Bristol. It's the bump and run. It's controversy. It's so people mad. And... So you have two Bristol races each year, and both Bristol races have to feature that for Bristol to be considered a good race. Well, I mean, yeah. I, you, okay. you, that's what Bristol is. That's what short track okay. racing is. So here's my here's my point. I think there was a lot of people uh, shamed last week um, who said, like me, that they didn't think that the Richmond race was a good race because the expectations, like just similar to Bristol, were so high. Now Bristol was much better race. I agree, and the battle at the end really salvaged it. Um, you know that that was entertaining to see what was going to happen there, but. Um, I think Bristol in short track racing in general is built on these expectations when the expectations are so high and when all the ads that you're bombarded with and all the talk on talk radio is, you know, oh, who would you wreck to win? You know what I mean? Like all it's it's, it's all about the contact and the controversy and stuff. And when you don't have that, it feels like somewhat of a letdown. I mean, I'm sorry if that's not doesn't make me a racing purist, but I don't think that the people 
who, if they didn't like this race for whatever reason, should be shamed and be like, you know, because people were like, oh, those aren't real NASCAR fans. Well, you just don't have an appreciation for it. Look, I, I can appreciate that racing again at uh, an intermediate track all day. But um, a short track, you just have some different level of expectations. And, you know, when you don't see it, it's it's just, uh, I don't know, it's fine. But, you know, it just feels like something's missing a little bit. Personally, I thought it was a little weird. Um, and I still don't fully understand why they changed direction on the PJ1. It seemed like they were going pretty heavy on PJ1 the last few years at Bristol, um, mm-hmm. including in the May race. They would sort of like put it down and then they would let it wear out throughout the course of the race and you'd have different lanes. Now, for whatever reason, they thought that they didn't need to put it down and, and the driver said it was fine. They could race all over the place tonight and they had different options, so they didn't need it. But what happened? Like, how did it get to the point where they're like, yeah, you know what? We don't really need this anymore. When it was like, Bristol was like the test track for PJ1 in the first place. Do you have any sense of what changed? You know, I don't know. The only thing I can think of is I number during the summer here, Denny Hamlin and some other drivers were pretty vocal about how Speedway Motorsports applied PJ1 to the racetrack and the inconsistency that there was and how Speedway Motorsports didn't listen to the drivers and what the drivers had wanted and what they felt was going to make a good race. They were doing, they were kind of basically going rogue and NASCAR wasn't even getting listened to. And it was just kind of Speedway Motorsports. So I don't know if that had something to do with it and the communication along the way just kind of broke down and everybody just kind of threw up their hands and said, you know what, just do whatever. I, I don't know. It's a good question. It's something we need to look into more. I, you know, do we need it? I don't know. I, I'm somebody who kind of would like to shy away from it at Bristol. I don't think you, you have to have it there, but um, the racing at Bristol the last, I don't know, year and a half or whatever it's been has been really, really good multi-groove racetrack. So. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I mean, to me, it's uh, like if, if you knew it was working, then then why why go away from it? Now, Denny, I asked Denny Hamlin about this before the race. He had a media session beforehand, and uh, he said that his sense was that they thought that the the truck race, um, you know, which didn't get it applied because of, of weather concerns, I guess, was in the area or something. Or um, so they thought that was a better race than the Xfinity race, where it was really bottom heavy after they had done a, a light spray of it. Um, so they were just going to let that sit and wear out, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's just weird. Uh, and again, it's fine if you like that kind of racing, but to me in some ways, again, I mean, I hate to say this, but Bristol was built on having a one groove track and people having to knock each other out of the way. And that was where a lot of the tempers and stuff came from. If you let these guys have multiple grooves, then you don't have as much contact if there's places to race all over. So I don't know. I mean, again, that's not real racing, quote unquote, but you just want professional wrestling. You want the equivalent of professional wrestling for NASCAR. That's what it's billed as though at short tracks. That's what they're selling us on. (laughs) I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm half kidding, but like, this is what they're saying. Like, Oh, you know, who's going to do what? Who's going to get mad at who the drama, the, this, this, this. And look, if you don't, if, if you're fine with it not being that way, then don't sell it that way. Don't sell Here's, everybody yeah. all week on, oh my gosh, it's going to be this and the hype and all this stuff. And then when you tune in and it's not that, you go, oh, that was disappointing. And you go, well, what'd you expect? You're not a real race fan. That's that's where my that's that's where it's coming from. Is the expectation? Professional sports in general. I mean, like March Madness, for example, is sold as upsets, Cinderellas. 
buzzer beaters, you know, right? And so, if it, and it, it and usually if it is, and happen, if it's not, it's like it's just that's professional sports. That's it, the marketing department is is one side of it, and then there's the actual competition side. And I don't it would, and I learned a while ago that what how things are promoted in professional sports don't always align with the actual what happens on the racetrack or on the court or the field. And you, you can't always think that what you see on TV as a, as a commercial is actually reality because that's not always the case. Yeah, but I, I'm pretty sure, unless I'm completely making this up, that when I first got into NASCAR, they wouldn't even show commercials with wrecks to advertise them, right? That was a recent I, thing within the I last 10 years. I'm pretty sure within the last 10 years, maybe 15 years. Um, no, I think the last 10 years that they, they started to, sh- to use wrecks for advertisement. That that was not uh, so. Anyway, when you go down that road, um, then you ask for expectations. Anyway, listen, uh, Jordan, um, we need to talk about something, and that is clothing. You're an expert on this, so um, fashion is important. Yes. Well, uh, Indochino uh, is our latest sponsor, and uh, listen, this is about getting your clothes fit exactly right. Now, you are known in the media center for having these, uh, wearing these sport coats and uh, suits and shirts, I don't know, pants, whatever. You, you, you like to look good, and it's fit is important. How, how you feel is important. You want the right cut. You want the right look. You want the right pattern. You want the right everything. And the product you're telling me about sounds like they can offer it to us. Well, uh, that's it's it's a virtual thing. I mean, you don't have to right now. It's tough to go in and you know shop and get fitted for things. Um, so this is going to help you find clothes that fit you just right. You can book a virtual style consultation, um, shop online, all that stuff. Now, um, this gets you Indochino gives you custom fitted suits, coats, and casual wear at surprisingly affordable prices. You can customize everything from the fabric and the lining to the to the lapel shape and monogram. Mm. Do you do you customize any of that on your flashy? I actually stuff? do. I've got a dress shirt of mine. It's a pink dress shirt, and I it's a custom made dress shirt. And I picked out how the lapels, the what size of the lapels, the color of the lapels, the collars, everything. And I actually have a tailor back in Minnesota that I use. So this actually sounds like a great product because instead of having to rely on a tailor back home, I can also look at my other options as well. Wow, this is, sounds like we're in a, living in a different world. I have no experience in this department, but you know, if, if you want to be like Jordan, or you know, if you're just getting married or something like that, Indochino is a no-brainer for you and your groomsmen. Uh, you can forget off-the-rack suits that don't fit different body types because uh, you have a tailored fit for everybody with Indochino. Um, order with ease and get it shipped fast, no matter where you live. And with all the ways to customize, you can add a personal touch. Everyone will be proud to wear without emptying their pockets. The best part. These suits, Jordan, they start at just two ninety nine with all the customizations included. What do you think about that? That's actually a great deal. That is a fantastic deal. You've spent you more than that on yours? For that. Uh, I have, yes. Okay. Well, listen, uh, visit one of the Indochino showrooms across North America or book a virtual appointment and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now you'll get $30 off any purchase of three ninety nine or more when you enter code ATHLETIC at checkout. So that's Indochino.com, promo code ATHLETIC. All right, Jordan, we're talking about whether this was a good race or not, and it's time to estimate uh, and guess what the was it a good race poll will be. Now, last week, you, uh, despite thinking it was this great race, guessed super low. 
Your strategy was to guess low, and you won by a couple percentage points um, because of your low guess. I think you, I think you would guess forty-four, and I'd guess thirty-four or something, <laughs> and it ended up being like forty-one or forty-two. So whoopity do, your weak strategy works. Now, um, listen, uh, one of our listeners, Big Joe Wall seventy-two, that's his Twitter name. Uh, he had tweeted us and said, "Hey, listen, you know, do you do you guys have a season long battle going on here?" And I said, "Look, we lost track. I I'm terrible at keeping track of it." So he said, "He's going to keep it going." So here's oh, his. He thanks. has a little spreadsheet that he tweeted to us. Um, he has the amount of weeks won uh, during the playoffs. So we're tied one to one, and he's keeping track of total point differential. So the total amount of points that we were off. This is our our tiebreaker, I assume. Uh, from our guesses. So even if we're wrong, you got to guess close. So right now we're tied and my total point differential, I've only been off a, a total of 7.2% um, through the first two weeks. You've been off 15.8%. So you got to tighten it up mm-hmm. even though you, you had a victory. Um, yeah. So want the win. What, what do you want? What, what's going to be the win this week? When the win this week will be sixty-two percent. What sixty? You just said this makes no sense. I, I okay. the, again, uh, I, I like the race. If I was just voting what I think, I would vote higher. But I have come to realize that what I like in a race—it's it just replay last week's podcast. It's the same discussion. Okay. What I like in a race, people don't necessarily agree with, and I am tailoring my pick to what I think the general audience is because I just want to win this stupid thing. So I'm going to go with 62%. Me personally, I would go much higher. I like the racing tonight. I was entertained, but I just want to win this poll. So please, everyone, listen to this. Help me rig this thing in 62%. No, listen, it's going to be... by the way, I may have Googled, by the way, how to rig a Twitter poll. I don't I don't think it's possible as far as I know. No, it's not. I couldn't find anything. Yeah. I, I've been worried about that, and I keep... <laughs> No, I, I am. I keep track of, you know, like sometimes I've been like, oh, is NASCAR stuff in the ballot box on this or something like that? Or can people, you know, um, but because Twitter requires you to be logged in to vote in the poll. Yeah. Um, and once you've cast a vote, you know, you'd have to have many, many, many uh, different accounts, which is certainly possible. Um, but that would be a lot of effort to sway a poll that has, I mean, usually over 10,000 votes, you know. So anyway. Uh, I was going to give my guess. My guess, so you're you're going to laugh at this. My guess is going to be 80%. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that was not at all what I thought. Okay. So see, I'm going the so opposite was, of you. Oh, so I didn't, I didn't love the race. That was actually probably where I would vote is 80%. I, this, whole thing, <laughs> this whole thing is stupid. This is just dumb. I think people are going to generally say, hey, that was good because of the end of the, you know, yeah. finish all that stuff. Um, uh, but I didn't love it. I'd probably say it was more of the 60s, but I think people are going to go higher because it's Bristol's short track, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, so it hurts my head. <laughs> it's all about the W. Uh, I'm going for the kill here. So I'm going 80. You're going 62. <laughs> you said, right? Yeah. 62. All right. right. Listen, it's late uh, at night. Uh, it's 1230 <laughs> Eastern as you're uh, recording this on the East coast. We've got one more night race out of all these ones in a row. Las Vegas is a night race next yeah, week. Are you, five. That's crazy. Are you uh, are you excited to get the nice ra- night races over with, or are you used to these by now? Um, I don't know. I go back and forth. They're they're fine. I mean, it's I like a mixed variety, but I think 
you know, in the fall when you're going against the NFL, I just think it's a losing proposition. And so I think, especially right now with college football and the, the college football schedule is not great. I think it's, I think NASCAR is in a really good spot right here. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm kind of over the, these night races by the time they get, they get done. Oh, sure. I mean, it's just, uh, oh, yeah. in terms of a work standpoint and quality, I mean, we're right. You know, we're working until, you know, late well, night, no, obviously. not even that. It's just, it, it's just a long, I mean, this race, what, what time to get over on the East coast tonight? I mean, and this was only a, it was only a, a two hour, 45 minute race. So it's one of the shorter Bristol races you could want, but I don't know. So, um, next week from what I can tell, these aren't green flag times, but we're looking at 7 PM Eastern for Vegas. Then it's 2 PM Eastern for Talladega. That's a pretty early mm-hmm. one. Um, I guess probably cause they have no lights Talladega, um, two yep. thirty for the Roval. 2.30 for Kansas, 3.30 for Texas, 2 p.m. for Martinsville, even though they do have lights, which is kind of weird. Wow, that's 2 p.m.? I thought it would be later than that. That surprises me. Yeah, because when – and it's on NBC, so wouldn't they want it to go into Sunday Night Football? Like, run away? Yeah, the, or, you know what, though? I will say this. Those Martinsville races go – those are like four-hour things. They can't have that race go too late because they are not they, – they can't have it bump into football. Yeah, I guess, but football is like eight p.m. or something right i don't know anyway yeah I, but yeah i just yeah i mean it makes sense i'm not I, I get it then the cup series championship of course being a uh, west coast type race is uh is 3 p.m um so that's pr- pretty much as early as you could do although i'm a little bit surprised again there uh that they wouldn't go a little bit later to try to run into football i think homestead was like th- even 3 30 or something last year but anyway so those are the rest of the races coming up seven to go um, thank you all so much as always for listening. We appreciate you. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to check out the great deal we have on the athletic.com right now. As, as far as I know, it's still going where the, uh, the $1 per month, um, for a year subscription, pretty good deal. Um, we haven't really been told when it runs out or if it's run out. I, I think it's still good. I've been, we were in people have been tweeting about it today. So, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's at least good, uh, probably by the time you're listening to this, but I wouldn't wait too much longer. If you're thinking about it, just click one of our links to one of our stories. Um, possibly even this podcast, the ad free version of the podcast, um, gets you, you know, you don't have to listen to all the extra stuff. So, uh, that's for subscribers only as well. Anyway, again, we appreciate you and we will talk to you next time on the teardown.